You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball. Stay informed by making us part of your daily routine. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And today's episode of Locked On Kentucky is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com all right kyle we are going to do uk football exclusively on this episode based on your state of the program article that came out in the athletic on sunday uh we were going to get to it on friday but that got pushed and then uh some other stuff so finally we're getting to it on wednesday but a lot of good stuff that came out of that article uh let's start on the offensive side of the ball and uh, of course, you know, it all starts with uh, the quarterbacks, but, uh, but be- even before we get into the offensive side of the ball, you laid out some of the things that Mark Stoops has done in his time, you know, as far as a state of the program, it is in great shape, the best shape it has been in since the days of Bear Bryant. When you're talking about 18 wins over two seasons, the kind of recruiting uh, that's been done here at Kentucky and uh where Kentucky is heading to take that next step. Like that's, that's where it is. It's, it's on the verge of competing for an sec East or getting there and being uh, an sec East contender every single season. Yeah. I I think uh, sort of the gist at the top and and it goes through, you know, at really every detail of the program, every position group, the recruiting, where things stand in recruiting, uh, the coaching changes they've made, you know, it's a high level view over 5,000 words of kind of everything you need to know if you wanted to start from scratch and sort of get a feel for where Kentucky football is uh, going into this season. Uh, hopefully this, uh, these state of the program pieces will give you that. And, and at the top of that uh, one on Kentucky that I wrote, the, the thing I focused on with Mark Stoops was, you know, the 10 win season was so big. Yes. Uh, in 2018, but I kind of felt like the eight win season in 2019 was bigger um, because it one you had to back it up. Like, are you, you know, can you do this again? And I mean, if you think about how close Kentucky was to winning 10 games again, mm-hmm. even with everything that happened to it, had the it lead was, on Florida going into the fourth quarter, dominated Tennessee and yardage. Right. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, what if they'd gone 10 and three again with a, with a wide receiver at quarterback, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they even going eight and five was really impressive. And when you, when you think about, okay, you just had, you know, your first 10 win season in 40 years, just the third in school history. And then after that's over, you lose your all time leading rusher, Benny Snell, you lose your all time great pass rusher, Josh Allen. Uh, you lose every experienced player in the secondary and your entire quarterback room is wiped out a month into the season. You know, your starting quarterback yeah. and your backup are gone. All those things happen. Uh, so basically you lose your quarterback, your backup quarterback, your best running back you've ever had, your best pass rusher you've ever had, and your whole secondary after a 10-win yeah. season. What are you going to do? And they move a guy to wi- a wide receiver to quarterback and win eight games. They beat the brakes off Louisville again. You know, they, they win in thrilling walk-off fashion against a name program like Virginia Tech uh, in another 
you know, higher end bowl game. That was a bigger deal to me than the 10 win seed. I mean, they, they, they kind of are, they go together doing them together is what makes it notable, but yeah. it, it was just so important to back it up. And Stoop said that, you know, it's, it's a validation. It's also, you know, it says, um, you know, history, like, let's stop talking about history. You know, this is four straight bowl games for him, 18 wins in two years. He said, he said at one point in the piece, uh, you know, the, the struggles of 50 or 75 years in this program, my team shouldn't have to answer for that. And re- bigger than that, recruits don't care about it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and Calipari has talked about this for a long time that like, no matter what you've done in the game, like recruits don't remember 10, 15, 20 years ago. They no. remember the last three years at most. Well, if you're looking at the last three years, like almost nobody else in the SEC other than, you know, the real big boys, Alabama and, and the like, Georgia, those might be the only two who've had a better three-win, three-year you know, run than Kentucky has. Uh, you know, he said when recruits look at us now, that what do they know about Kentucky? That we win every year and go to bowl games and, and compete. You know, we are competitive in the, in the toughest league in America. Uh, and I thought that was a really good point. He said, you, you do that year after year and you start to get into some living rooms you couldn't before. And, and, you know, I would note that they built their program on Kentucky boys and Ohio kids, you know, that they treated like, you know, sort of their home recruiting territory. And that was very effective, but to really break through the best programs in the country recruit nationally. And Kentucky yeah. goes out this year in this recruiting class, which was built as they're, you know, reeling off this, really impressive follow-up season to the 10-win season. They went and got blue-chip guys, four or five-star recruits from Michigan, from Mississippi, from Tennessee, from Louisiana, and from Florida. And they got two former top 50 overall recruits from Auburn and LSU who chose to come to Kentucky. Um, those are – that's when you know you've, you, you know, you, you've changed the perception of your program. Uh, when you can go into those places and they go, oh, yeah, Kentucky, you guys are pretty good. Yeah, uh, you know this is a viable option. I want my kid to play in the SEC. Let's send him there. Um, so that 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 to start with, I think, is the fundamental thing. And and two that you know also addressed at the top part of that story is just that they they Mark Stoops came in here and and said like I don't care what you guys say that you can't win at Kentucky doing what everybody else does. I'm going to. We're going to line up and run the ball, smash yeah. them in the mouth, play defense, uh, and they have actually done that. I, I don't think anybody thought you could play just standard. SEC bruising SEC football against no. the rest of the SEC and beat them. Not at Kentucky. I mean, that's my favorite point that you make in the beginning there before you get into position by position breakdowns is that uh, what you say is the conventional wisdom about how to win at Kentucky was gimmicky that you, you can't line up and beat bigger, stronger, faster SEC teams at their own smash mouth game because you can't recruit on their level because you're not supposed to get those players that they get. Your offensive lines and defensive lines cannot match up against the rest of the big boys in the SEC, so therefore you must get a little tricky, gimmicky. And, well, on Stoops' uh, press conference, opening press conference, the day he was introduced to the to Kentucky and, his, and the media, he, he was asked about it, you know, what do you think? And he, he pretty much said, yeah, I think you do have to be a little innovative you know, uh, offensively. And that's how it started. But I, I don't, that was never his heart. That was never what he really felt in his bones. And eventually he transformed it. And I think the 10 win season, you saw it the most, uh, really where Kentucky was able to line up and be more physical than their opponents. And 
that has been all the difference. I remember when um, they played Alabama and that, that player for defensive lineman from Alabama, the all American said Landon young was one of the most physical offensive linemen I have faced in my time in college. And that's a testament to what Mark Stoops has built. All right, we're going to take a break and we will get into uh, the positions and we'll start offensively when we continue here on Locked on Kentucky. Let me tell you about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. I mean, in this day and age, with the increasing numbers of makes and models of different vehicles, it's impossible for the auto parts chain stores to to have everything there, uh, right there. And when you do go in there and try to buy something, they're just going to order it online and they're going to charge you more than they would charge a professional mechanic. They're definitely going to charge you more than rockauto.com is going to charge you. There's one example at rockauto.com. You you can look this up for yourself. You look at a fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. Look that up. Delphi FG1456, if you want to be specific. Check that out at Advanced Auto Parts. Look at it. Then go to rockauto.com. The difference is more than $100. It doesn't matter if you're a professional mechanic, do-it-yourself, or whatever you need at rockauto.com, the price is going to be the same. You can save money. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, SUV, or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. You are locked on Kentucky your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on Locked on Kentucky. And Kyle, we've talked about this before uh, on this podcast recently, even I would say in the last couple of weeks about the quarterback situation at Kentucky. It is so much different than it was a year ago. Uh, so much more stable with Terry Wilson coming back and being healthy. We'll see how he does. Uh, but if something happens and he's not as effective, they have a lot more options than they did a year ago. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have Sawyer Smith back healthy. I mean, remember that, like, I don't know, what was it, a week-long period where people were going, are they better off with Sawyer Smith? Right. <laughs> uh, because he looked like he could throw it around the yard. For, I mean, he, he had him in position to beat Florida. I mean, he really he came did. in there, and like, and then he you know, started throwing, the, throwing interceptions. And uh, I think he hurt himself. Cha- he was running one, down, and, yeah. You know, After he threw an interception, he was running down a yeah a Florida yeah, defender yeah. and like yeah, hurt his looked, wrist. Apparently, he also looked incredibly athletic on that play. I mean, he came from way back and ran him down and made a tackle, but I think he hurt himself. And it was really not, not the same since then uh, or after that. Uh, but I mean, that's a guy who you know, he's got twenty eight hundred total yards of offense in his college career as a backup quarterback. You can do a lot worse than that. Uh, you know, he was part of a ten win team at Troy the year before. Um, you know, him healthy, I think is a totally different thing and a, and a, and a totally viable backup quarterback. Um, that's it. So that's a big difference. Um, you know, Joey Gatewood, I don't, it, I, I don't think there's any realistic feeling now that he's going to get a waiver. Um, but you know, Bo Allen is a guy that I think they, they have said all kind of said all along, if he had to step, I mean, he's, he's very thin, he needs to put on some weight, but I mean, skill wise, you know, between the ears, if he had to step in there as a true freshman, you could do a lot worse. 
of a guy who threw for over 11,000 yards in high school. Um, and then, you know, the X factor to me is Nick Scalzo, who, you know, he could do some interesting things if he was sort of, if he were your emergency quarterback, you'd still have an opportunity to throw the ball down the field. But he also, depending on how he's come back from his second ACL injury, which is a big question mark, um, you know, he's a very mobile guy. I mean, if you watch that Netflix series, QB1, he was a guy who kind of scampered all over the place and was really pretty fun to watch. Um, so compared to a year ago, a much, much better uh, situation, I think. And, and especially just when you have your eye toward the future. More, 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 about, more than about this year, I think when you look to the future, they, they are now kind of set up to – they have the next guy, and then they have the guy after that, um, didn't, which is um, a did- big deal. Didn't we hear like maybe Eddie Grant or Darren Henshaw or someone say about Bo Allen that they feel like he could come in and play right away? Like yeah, they I felt thought, I thought they didn't feel a, that way about Amani Gilmore, remember? Right. Uh, yeah, and and I'm I am not at football every day hardly ever really. I'm 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 almost totally focused on basketball and I drop in on football a few times a season. Um and so I, I I'm not at all those press conferences, but I I continue to follow it relatively closely and I I I feel fairly certain that there was a comment along those lines that, you know, you know, if you had, if we, if we had to throw Bo Allen out there, you know, he could, uh, he could go in and get something done. So I, yeah, I, I think again, you're not going to end up with a situation where you uh, are having to convert a skill position player to play quarterback. I don't think this season. And running backs, we won't spend too much time on running backs because we're trying to get through all of this in a 30-minute podcast here. And the reason we won't spend too much time on it is because they're all really good. We know how they they all have their differences and they all have their, I mean, strengths. And, they're, you know, A.J. Rose can do a lot of things. Cavassier Smoke can do a lot of things. Chris Rodriguez. And then you still got Travis Tisdale, who we barely got to see last season. But they're just stacked at running back. That's not going to be a concern at all because of that offensive line. I mean, the offensive line yeah. with Darian Kennard um, at one tackle and Landon Young at the other tackle. And we've talked before about pro football focus saying those two guys graded out as the highest returnees in the SEC. You got Drake Jackson. I think there was another pro football focus article that said he was the most important returning center in the country, not just the SEC. So you throw in that uh, along with the, um, uh, Luke Fortner uh, back and then with some uh, depth with Nasir Watkins and it looks like Kenneth Horsey is going to step into the spot that Logan Stenberg was in I mean they're just so solid up front that the running game is not going to take a back seat at all it's not going to take a step back I mean yeah I mean to have uh, to have four guys who started all 13 games together um, you know that's pretty huge there's a lot of cohesion there you know you you're you're replacing one guy everybody else up there they're completely familiar with each other and the way things need to get done they played every single game uh last season and one of the things I went through and looked at as I was writing about the offensive lineman uh Fortner had zero missed assignments last year and 646 snaps Kennard had (laughs) one Kennard had one one penalty and 706 snaps Landon Young had one miss assignment and 754 snaps, and J- Drake Jackson allowed just one sack in 845 snaps. Um, I mean, all of those guys are like competent at worst, and you know, all SEC level at best. I mean, three probably three of the five guys go into the season with very strong all SEC aspirations, uh, and that's you know, they're two out of the last what 
four years, they've been semifinalists for the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive yeah. line in college football. This is just a tradition that's going to keep building on itself. And you, you've got the JUCO transfer. Jeremy Flax was a four-star recruit. John Young, the homegrown kid, a four-star recruit. So you're bringing in right. more talent. Uh, they're just reloading up there. Wide receiver, that's where the question mark is because well, Kentucky didn't use him at all last season. I mean, just barely. Uh, so Josh Ali is the guy that uh, Mark Stoops says he thinks will take a big step forward. Uh, he he likes what he sees out of him and thinks that he could have a big season. And I think Stoops somewhere in there said um, he, he he made sure to say, believe me, I want to throw the ball. Like, like I, I do, you know, I know you guys think I'd run, 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 but I do want to throw the ball and we're planning to that. We plan to, to inst- implement the forward pass into our offense again. Yeah. I, and, and the other thing is he, he addressed with me the, you know, the, the former UK commit who's at Louisville now who kind of took a shot about all the wide receivers. All they do is block. He said, yeah. when, when anybody wants to throw a low blow about them, I just say, I appreciate how they sacrificed because we are a team and we're here to win. We're never going to apologize for that to anybody. In fact, if you have any kind of selfish mentality, you do not need to come to Kentucky. You need to go somewhere else. And then he went on to say, look, I, we, I have confidence those guys are playmakers. He's, he's very high on Josh Ali. He referenced the, the fourth down and the uh, catch and the, the game-winning touchdown catch and said just like what is it, think about what that takes mentally to stay focused all year when you're getting no balls come your way and then the biggest game of the season is on the line and you go make all the plays. And he said he, he thinks he's due for a big year. Yeah, and that to continue that quote that you had about uh, the receiver's mentality, he said, that's elite, that's very unselfish, that's why we're winning, that's why we're going to take it to even another level, and I really think Josh is set to have a big year. Now, you got Bryce Oliver, Cleveland Thomas, Alan Daly Jr., Isaiah Epps, I mean, all those guys, uh, they have the seniority, they've been there long enough, they've shown some flashes, you would expect some of those guys to step up. I'm excited about Tay-Tay Crooms, redshirt freshman out of Louisville, as well as incoming freshman Isaiah Cummings. But Tay-Tay Crooms is the guy who is, uh, if he's not the fastest, he might be the second fastest player on the team behind Travis Tisdale. Uh, so we'll see about those guys. That if I mean, the tight end group couldn't look any better. Justin Riggs, 6'6", 266. Keaton Upshaw, 6'6", 244. Brendan Bates, 6'4", 247. Uh, throw in Nick Ognenovich, 6'5", 249. Well done on that Rig- name. I wasn't going to even try that one. <laughs> <laughs> but Rig and Upshaw ought to be really heavily involved in catching the ball. I mean, those two are the, the more senior guys. Unless Brendan Bates, you know, blows everyone away. But uh, Rig and Upshaw, the more senior guys there, third-year sophomore, uh, senior and Rig, third-year sophomore and Upshaw and Bates. Uh, But Upshaw really showed some flashes last season. Yeah, those are really your off-the-bus guys. I mean, I think Stoops referred to them as prototypical. I mean, they they just are like you you, if you're stamping out uh, uh, SEC tight end widgets, you you would want them to be in a 6'6", 250-pound mold. Uh, you know, muscled up mold. And that's what all those guys look like. I think they'll be much more heavily involved in the passing game this year. And they're great. You know, they're great blocking options. I think the good thing to know is that you have willing wide receivers and tight ends. Like, so when you do want to run the ball, they know what they're, they they have a lot of experience uh, blocking and they're willing to do it and you can keep doing that. But I think also you can maybe catch some people off guard and, and throw the ball around a little bit. All right. The only, the last thing I'll mention on the, um, 
as far as it pertains to the offense is we didn't bring up uh, Michael Drennan, the highly coveted uh, athlete out of Ohio that it came down to the wire and Kentucky got him. Uh, and he was wanted, I mean, didn't Ohio State want him as well? Am I right about that or no? But who'd you say? Sorry, I missed Michael that. Michael Drennan. Uh, yeah, I do think they came in. Uh, I wasn't super plugged into his recruitment, but I do think they came in at the end. I know, I know that uh, in general, uh, Kentucky was fending off a bunch of people as they approached signing him. He was the last piece, right? He was the last guy who signed. Yeah, um, and he's the guy that they hope, you know, whether it's at running back or slot receiver or whatever, that they, they hope is going to Lynn Lynn Bowden two point oh. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, that that was that another just massive recruiting win. Um, and and I think really important to get him because I don't know that they had anybody or really even have anybody in the program uh, who had a chance to be as dynamic as a guy like Lynn. And I do think you have to have that. Even if you're a smash mouth team, I think you've got to have a dynamic guy who can make guys miss and run away from people. Um, Cause there's a lot of, as much as size and physical play as there is in the SEC, there's also just a freakish amount of speed. Uh, yeah. and, and you, you know, you need to, you need one of those home run guys, the guy that they thought like Wandale Robinson would be if they could keep him home and, and yeah. ended up at Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, Drennan is definitely a guy who could make an impact as a freshman. Okay. We're going to talk about the defense. Uh, when we continue here on locked on Kentucky, but I want to tell you about uh built bar. Uh, they gave me a box to try so I could, so I could do these commercials for them and and give you my testimony on it. And I've already re-upped and ordered another one. I got my parents have ordered some because they've tasted them and they taste so good because there's no other protein bar out there that tastes this much like a candy bar. Truly they do. Uh, some of them to me taste like, like a, a piece of chocolate that you would get out of a box of chocolate. Like the chocolate orange is one that comes to mind. Uh, some of them taste like a, uh, a uh, another type of candy bar. I don't think I can say the brand names of candy bars, but like <laughs> almond, coconut, chocolate, uh, peanut butter, chocolate. The point is they taste like candy bars. But as you know, some of those candy bar commercials say, you know, if you're hungry, grab a candy bar because it satisfies and takes you out of a cranky mood. Yeah, because it's loaded with sugar and stuff you're and fat and stuff your body doesn't need and lots of carbs too. These built bars are not just take the peanut butter brownie, for example, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, three grams of sugar, three grams net carbs. That's healthy. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. That's what you're getting when you eat a built bar. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're great. I'm telling you. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on Locked On Kentucky. And Kyle, we've covered the offense now switching over to the defense and that the headline that came from your article of the state of the program on the athletic. You can read that right now. Uh, the headline that came out that Kentucky sports radio picked up and ran on their site was that uh, Mark Stoop said that Quentin Bohanna is going to have make a big jump this year. Yeah. Quentin Bohanna, uh, the one, the Quentin Bohanna, but the one that really jumped out, um, was uh, Boogie Watson. Uh, Quentin Bohanna is, I think, kind of the the guy coming back that they know they can count on. Um, you know, he said, 
Well, now I can't even find the the line that he had about Quentin. But he, he just basically well, talked said about Quentin that. is he said Quentin is really motivated to take a big jump in his last year, and I can't wait to see it. He's going to have a big year. He's dedicated, and he's the leader of that group on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, he's the, it's weird. It's weird too when you look at those you know those big anchors on a defensive line because a lot of times you can pull their stats and go, wait, what's all the fuss about? Um, but that's one of those where you just got to watch and use your eyeballs. And he's just a wrecking ball in there. I mean, the fact that they have him and, and uh, uh, Marquan McCall, Bohanna 6'4", 367, McCall 6'3", 369. I mean, yeah. when we talk well, about so- upgr- upgrading the line, I mean, those are just massive wrecking uh, balls up front. Well, so many it, things have to go right on offense for a play to work, right? Like execution, and it's all 11 guys. And if one guy takes the wrong step or one guy gets pushed the wrong way or whatever, it can blow up the whole play. You hear offensive coordinators talk about that stuff all the time. And the reason a Bohanna and a McCall are important is because they line up right over the center. And if they bust that guy and, or bust a gap and throw off the timing of a play or get somebody in in the way of the play, they themselves can wreck the whole thing. Yeah, and, they, you know, jumbo is the thing that comes to mind with Kentucky, uh, you know, on that defensive line because then you're looking at the defensive end, Josh Paschal, you know, who came back from his cancer scare the year before, he's 6'3", 274, coming off the end, uh, who's had nine and a half tackles for loss last season. He was, I he mean, was he was, great. He was the guy who, you know, coming out of high school, I remember very clearly that, like, early open practice, his true freshman season, and going, oh, my God, they're getting a different kind of guy now. Like, this yeah. guy looks like he's a junior in the SEC, just a monster. And there was so much hype and promise about him, and then he had the cancer uh, uh, scare. Well, not scare. I mean, he had, he had cancer, and he had a, a serious form of it and had to battle it, and it was on the bottom of his foot, which really – uh, derailed him, but he come to come back and have nine and a half tackles for loss, shaking off all that rust. You you could probably project some pretty big things for him as well. And just this, like again, just the sh- the sheer size of that front three, uh, and and with Quentin Bohanna being the guy kind of leading the way, and then you have maybe another elite pass rusher coming from outside linebacker slash the end uh, in Boogie Watson. And now they may be cooking with gas again, like when Josh Allen just blew up everything. Yeah. Yeah. And um, before we leave the defensive line is the the thing that you noted, the recruit, the recruiting class that they have coming in rivals ranked it the third best defensive line class in the country behind only Alabama and Clemson. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and just barely, I mean, they were like, yeah. I, I did a thing where I, I remember in the middle of that recruiting cycle where I pulled kind of where all those guys ranked, uh, at Alabama, Clemson and Kentucky. And it was like neck and neck. I mean, they're, they're, they're basically one, a one B one C. I mean, those were loaded defensive line classes to sign five, uh, four and five star recruits on the defensive line is kind of unprecedented, uh, at a place like Kentucky and at most places. So really that Stoops basically said the elite type of players we recruited to plug in with the guys we already have is going to be really fun to watch. And I, you know, it's hard to argue that's, that's as loaded a group as they've had in a long time. Yeah. Stoops said it's the most well-stocked defensive line yet at Kentucky. So moving on to the linebackers, we mentioned Boogie Watson. Um, You know, you've got uh, Jordan Wright who could play outside. Uh, JJ Weaver is the guy I'm really looking at uh, that could possibly make a jump there with just the little time that he played last season uh he made an impact you saw what he could do he's got that that size that kind of size 
uh, Katie McDaniel's another guy, and, and then we'll see about Xavier Peters. But inside is where uh, DeAndre Square and Chris Oates uh, really made an impact last season. Square is back, uh, but Oates he, not expected to play uh, football this season after um, suffering a setback with a medical issue. It's not COVID-19, we're told. It's just unspecified, but uh, he's just not expected to to be there and play football uh, this season. So it's going to be Jamin Davis and Jared Casey, uh, two guys that are going to step up. And they were really high on Jared Casey, another like J.J. Weaver, another guy out of Louisville that they were able to get who, when he did play a little bit, uh, showed himself. Yeah, and Square, I mean, you know, of the two, Oates and Square, Square was the guy who looked like he was, you know, truly a, a budding star. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I think could have a huge season. I think Oates is a big loss for sure. Uh, and certainly we, we pray and think for, think of him, uh, as he recovers, because it, it sounds like he's dealing with a major, major, uh, recovery effort. And that's first and foremost, but I do think, uh, they have, because they've recruited well, and they have a chance to absorb that loss on the football field. Um, and just circling back to Boogie Watson, I, you know, I think we maybe I mentioned this in a time or two in the, you know, weeks past, but I had gone back and looked, you know, about. Josh Allen compared to Boogie Watson. One, they're both two-star recruits. Uh, and if he does what Josh Allen does, then, I mean, just just slap those two guys' faces on posters, and that is, like, all you should do to recruit defensive <laughs> players. Right. Uh, you know, two-star recruits. And through their junior seasons, uh, Josh Allen had 20-and-a-half tackles for loss and 14-and-a-half uh, sacks. And Boogie Watson, 18-and-a-half tackles for loss and 13-and-a-half sacks. Almost identical numbers through their junior year. And then we know that Josh Allen had the monster senior year, and that's what they hope they're going to get out of Boogie. And I, I, you know, there's a bunch of praise. Mark Stoops raved about Boogie Watson in this piece and talking about how well he plays on his feet, not just pass, rushing the passer. But at the very end, he said, "What I really like about him is he saw the model. He saw the transformation Josh Allen made between his junior and senior year, uh, and I noticed that same motivation in Boogie's eyes. And I, I think that part of it, just that." that even Boogie Watson was aware of, okay, this is, this is what I can do. Uh, let me follow this guy's lead. Let me do what he did. Um, that he's thinking that way in and of itself is, is a big deal and, and could potentially be huge for Kentucky. If you get, if you, Josh Allen feels like the kind of player that comes along once in a lifetime, striking gold, you know, you, you could turn a two-star recruit into a top 10 pick. Uh, but if you get <laughs> to do it if, again, <laughs> if, you, if you get, if you get 85% of Josh Allen in a, in a, in a sequel, then, then you uh, really have something special there. No doubt. Now to the defensive backs. I mean, Kentucky was devastated by all the losses it had, you thought, going into the season at defensive back. And they just reloaded. I mean, all they did was, what, end up tying Ohio State for fewest passing touchdowns allowed? Uh, did they tie right, or second lead behind the Ohio State in passing yards per Fewest game? passing yards, yeah. Uh, so – you get Yusef Corker, who steps up hugely uh, last season when Devontae Robinson went out, and Corker led the team in tackles. He was all over the place. If you watch Kentucky football game in and game out, Corker was always involved. So you're going to add Devontae Robinson in there with Corker. Uh, then you got Brandon Nichols, Jamari Brown, and Cedric Dort. All three of them played really well at corner at times. Uh, big-time impact guys. I think Pro Football Focus said that Kentucky was in the top three at least uh, in uh, low success rate throwing at outside corners. So if you threw at their Kentucky's outside corners, 
your your passer rating was one of the third top three lowest in the country. Um, Tyrell Agent uh, uh, did great as well. They uh, were able to work in Quandre Mosley at safety. Now you got Boss Man Fat. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, the transfer from LSU, jumping in there. And that's what you need. You need four cornerbacks uh, to go with, uh, you know, probably three safeties at least, uh, and then a couple of nickel guys, and throwing Moses Douglas as well right there, and then the signee Joel Williams, or Joel Williams. And, and Kentucky is looking great at defensive back after having lost two guys to the NFL, Lonnie Johnson and Mike Edwards. Uh, plus Devontae Robinson, Darius West was on an NFL roster for a while. So was uh, Chris Westry. Yeah. I mean, and then this time they, they, you know, they weathered that storm. Now they bring all but one guy back in the secondary. They add two really good ones in, in Kelvin Joseph, the LSU transfer. And then the Louisiana, another kid from Louisiana, the four-star recruit, Joel Williams, um, you know, and, you know, Stoops described Corker in that piece. He calls him a thumper. Uh, you know, he's a big yeah. hitter. Uh, Eccles broke up. He was top 10 in the SEC, broke up nine passes. Uh, Jamari Brown broke up seven passes. Those were guys that were kind of ball hawks. Uh, they didn't intercept a lot of passes. Nobody did on the team, but they were just good at, at kind of turning them away. Um, and so, I mean, to me, when you go into a season with what you think would be a huge weakness, it ends up being almost a strength. And then you bring them all back. Um, I think Stoops feels really good. You know, he's a secondary guy. Like that has been his lifelong, career-long thing. That's what he played and what he's coached from the beginning. He knows a great secondary and great defensive back when he sees them, uh, and I think he 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 believes he's got a special group back there. Yeah, and we'll move to special teams. And Max Duffy is obviously a huge strength and a weapon. Uh, it's nice to have a punter you can depend on uh, for field position, and you know that's a big part of Mark Stoops' game. Sometimes. Hey, you, you, if you got a punt, you got a punt and just put it on the defense. How many times have we seen Kentucky's defense keep them in the game when they're, when that offense is struggling? Uh, so Duffy, but they've got to solve the place kicking situation because feel these games are come down so many times being able to put points on the boards. I mean, the Tennessee game, Kentucky may have been able to, to win that game against Tennessee last season had they been able to have confidence in their kickers. Chance Poor and Mark Ruffalo, uh, Poor won the job starting out, lost the job. Ruffalo got the job, lost the job. Poor got it back, lost it, and then Ruffalo got it back. So they don't have the consistency uh, that they got so used to counting on from Austin McInnes. Yeah, and the fact that you know both guys missed multiple extra points, not just field yeah. goals. Yeah. Uh, you know, Poor was really bad on field goals. Ruffalo was a little more dependable on the field goals, but they both missed two extra points. Um, yeah, I, I would guess at this point they would ro- ride with Ruffalo next season. It's it's bizarre though. Maybe it you know it, like golf, it's very much in your head. And Chance Poor came into high school by at least one service, ranked the number one kicker in the country. <laughs> uh, you know, it yeah. hasn't so far looked like it. And and you they certainly certainly miss a guy like Austin McGinnis, at eighty percent from his first career from on field goals, but uh, that that's like if you're looking at one area that just without a doubt you have some reason to worry about on this team. That's the one. Um, and it's not an insignificant one because when you're talking about the difference between eight or nine or 10 wins and, and, you know, those breakthrough seasons, it comes down to a kick, you know, uh, quite often. Yeah. 
Uh, you also addressed, uh, you know, some of the coaching changes on the staff with Anwar Stewart, now the defensive line coach, uh, Frank Buffano replacing Dean Hood uh, on the staff, being promoted from football operations and now will coach uh, safeties. And then uh, Javon Booknight taking over as the receivers coach. Uh, all good hires there. I, I don't think they'll skip a beat as far as uh, the, the staff's knowledge and ability to coach them up. Yeah, I think, you know, Stoops is really deliberate about, you know, and, and if you read the piece, he kind of talks through his rationale on all those guys, and, and I, it's hard to argue with any of it. And and I think when you look how he's assembled his staff, not perfect over the years, but uh, I think over time he's steadily gotten a really good formula, a good mix of recruiters and, and developers and, you know, in-game coaching strategy guys. Uh, and I think he has kind of figured out what he's comfortable with in that mix. Uh, and really leaned on. I thought it was also interesting that Book Knight uh, was a guy that he'd identified earlier and actually talked to about a job yeah. earlier and had sort of had on his list. You know, I can't wait to hire this guy. And you know, they, he needs a he needs a like a a real wide receiver guy who knows the skills it takes because you're trying to restart a group that basically was inactive last season. And this mm-hmm. is a guy who caught 250 passes himself for 3,600 yards uh, in college at Wyoming. Um, and you know, he co- having coached receivers at both Texas Tech and Oregon, places they throw the ball around, uh, I think that that to me feels like a really good hire for the wide receivers. And we'll finish up with this. And we already talked about this that uh, Kentucky, um, you know, eight wins would be what 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 Kentucky would like to see, or, or I think what uh, the expectation would be is that this team be an eight win team again in the regular season with a potential to get to nine. Uh, I think they definitely have. Uh, the potential to be a 10 win team uh, if not in the regular season, uh, but also adding a bowl. I mean, another 10, 10 and three season, adding a, you know, a bowl victory, but it's just so tough as it is every season for Kentucky with this schedule, but the offensive lines and the defensive lines that to me, that's where I believe a lot of football games are won and Kentucky uh, has them again. Now when Kentucky won 10 games and was, but hosted Georgia for the SEC East title. Uh, Georgia was just a much better football team. They, they just simply were. And Kentucky might have had some, I don't know about stage fright, but they the program hadn't been in that situation uh, in a long time, maybe ever uh, that late in the season to play for the SEC East title. Last season, I thought Kentucky played Georgia even better and had a better chance to win. The final score was 21 nothing, but that game really turned – on uh, Georgia coming after Kentucky and blocking that punt. Once that happened, it set up a short field. Georgia was in the end zone, and that kind of got things, you know, steamrolled. But I believe that game was 0-0 at halftime. It was like in the third quarter, Kentucky was going toe-to-toe with Georgia the whole way, and it was a nasty rain game. Who knows if Georgia would have had better success um, if they Jake Fromm would have been able to throw the ball a little bit more. But, you know, Fromm was under uh, scrutiny all season last year at Georgia as well. So I, So I don't know. But uh, what I'm saying is that that line of scrimmage game between Georgia and Kentucky is as close as it has ever been probably in the history of Kentucky football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you said it's – you talk about the, the gap between them and, and Georgia. Is that right. What you yeah, uh, because Georgia last year had the biggest offensive line in the country. And in a rain game, who, who's it come down to? You know, it comes down to those those lines. And – 
Kentucky is as close to Georgia as they've ever yeah. been in that regard as far as, you know, size and ability up front on both sides yeah. of the ball. I mean, that, that, that's a huge reason they can compete because if you really look at it, and we've talked about these pro football focus rankings, what this, that, and the other, just to eyeball test any of it, guys getting drafted, you know, what guys were ranked coming out of high school by all these measures – if you stack Kentucky's offensive and defensive lines up against go, go team by team through the sec and just like find, find how many there are where you go, man, they, they are going to get manhandled up front. That number is very small now. You know, if, you know, if it exists at all, I mean, there, there aren't many now there's teams that are going to beat them in this, like Alabama's wide receivers are ridiculous and their running backs are, you know, crazy and their linebackers, whatever. But if we're just talking offensive and defensive lines, that's one area where I don't think anybody thought they could ever do it, where they, they line up just about any week against just about any team and don't feel like they're giving anything up. You know, like we can, we can go in here and battle you all day. It might, you know, you might win a close one, but it, it's not going to, we're not getting manhandled. And that, that's like a great foundation and starting point to have a chance to, to go win every week. And who knows? I mean, I know Mark Stoops feels really good. He said he felt as good about this group as he did when he was entering that 10-win season two years ago. Uh, And two years ago is when Kentucky hosted Georgia for the SEC East title. And who knows? November 21st of this year, it's Georgia uh, at Kroger Field. Uh, and who knows that could possibly determine the SEC East once again before Kentucky finishes up at Louisville. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've gone on uh, plenty. I think we've covered uh, enough football for you. Uh, we'll definitely talk more football as we get closer to all that happening. Uh, I mean, players should start rolling in here uh, in about a week, and you know it's going to come in phases. Uh, but we're not too far off. Everything has that momentum. Uh, towards a football season, a college football season. We'll see. Hopefully hopefully we have one. But uh, thanks for tuning in today. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter so you can uh, holler at us for something you didn't like what we said. Or if you want to uh, get us to talk about a certain topic, I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. So if you've had enough football and you're ready for some basketball, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. That's the that's the podcast on the Lockdown Kentucky Network where they'll have all the, the NBA uh, draft news for you. They'll talk about Nick Richards and uh, all the other guys Kentucky will be losing. Uh, tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. And we will talk to you again later this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>